Chapter 8 of The Story of Mankind. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Crandall. The Story of Mankind by Hendrik von Loon. Chapter 8 The Sumerians. The Sumerian nail writers, whose clay tablets tell us the story of Assyria and Babylonia, the great Semitic melting pot. The fifteenth century was an age of great discoveries. Columbus tried to find a way to the island of Cathay, and stumbled upon a new and unsuspected continent. An Austrian bishop equipped an expedition which was to travel eastward and find the home of the Grand Duke of Muscovy, a voyage which led to complete failure, for Moscow was not visited by western men until a generation later. Meanwhile, a certain Venetian by the name of Barbero had explored the ruins of Western Asia and had brought back reports of a most curious language, which he had found carved in the rocks of the temples of Shiraz and engraved upon endless pieces of baked clay. But Europe was busy with many other things, and it was not until the end of the 18th century that the first cuneiform inscriptions, so-called because the letters were wedge-shaped, and wedge is called cuneus in Latin, were brought to Europe by a Danish surveyor named Niebuhr. Then it took thirty years before a patient German schoolmaster by the name of Grotfend had deciphered the first four letters, the D, the A, the R, and the SH, the name of the Persian king Darius. And another twenty years had to go by until a British officer, Henry Rawlinson, who found the famous inscription of Behistun, gave us a workable key to the nail-writing of Western Asia. Compared to the problem of deciphering these nail-writings, the job of Champion had been an easy one. The Egyptians used pictures, but the Sumerians, the earliest inhabitants of Mesopotamia, who had hit upon the idea of scratching their words in tablets of clay, had discarded pictures entirely and had evolved a system of V-shaped figures which showed little connection with the pictures out of which they had been developed. A few examples will show you what I mean. In the beginning, a star, when drawn with a nail into a brick, looked as follows. Here is a picture of a star. This sign, however, was too cumbersome, and after a short while, when the meaning of heaven was added to that of star, the picture was simplified in this way. Here is a more stylized picture of a star, which made it even more of a puzzle. In the same way, an ox changed from, here you see a small picture of an ox's head, into, here is another picture, it is several lines and triangles, and a fish changed from, here is a picture of a fish, into, and here is a picture with some more triangles and lines representing a fish. The sun was originally a plain circle, here is a picture of a plain circle, and became a picture with four triangles in the insert of a square. If we were using the Sumerian script today, we would make an, here's a picture of a ship, look like, and here's a picture of a very stylized ship. This system of writing down our ideas looks rather complicated, but for more than 30 centuries it was used by the Sumerians and the Babylonians and the Assyrians and the Persians and all the different races which forced their way into the fertile valley. The story of Mesopotamia is one of endless warfare and conquest. First, the Sumerians came from the north. They were a white people who had lived in the mountains. 
they had been accustomed to worship their gods on the tops of hills. After they had entered the plain, they constructed artificial little hills on top of which they built their altars. They did not know how to build stairs, and they therefore surrounded their towers with sloping galleries. Our engineers have borrowed this idea, as you may see in our big railroad stations, where ascending galleries lead from one floor to another. We may have borrowed other ideas from the Sumerians, but we do not know it. The Sumerians were entirely absorbed by those races that entered the fertile valley at a later date. Their towers, however, still stand amidst the ruins of Mesopotamia. The Jews saw them when they went into exile in the land of Babylon, and they called them the Towers of Babylai, or Towers of Babel. Here is a picture of a Tower of Babel. In the 40th century before our era, the Sumerians had entered Mesopotamia. They were soon afterwards overpowered by the Akkadians, one of the many tribes from the desert of Arabia who speak a common dialect and who are known as the Semites, because in the olden days people believed them to be direct descendants of Shem, one of the three sons of Noah. A thousand years later, the Akkadians were forced to submit to the rule of the Amorites, another Semitic desert tribe whose great king Hammurabi built himself a magnificent palace in the holy city of Babylon, and who, here is a picture of the holy city of Babylon, gave his people a set of laws which made the Babylonian state the best administered empire of the ancient world. Next, the Hittites, whom you will also meet in the Old Testament, overran the fertile valley and destroyed whatever they could not carry away. They in turn were vanquished by the followers of the great desert god Ashur, who called themselves Assyrians, and who made the city of Nineveh the center of a vast and terrible empire which conquered all of Western Asia and Egypt, and gathered taxes from countless subject races until the end of the seventh century, before the birth of Christ, when the Chaldeans, also a Semitic tribe, re-established Babylon, and made that city the most important capital of that day. Nebuchadnezzar, the best known of their kings, encouraged the study of science, and our modern knowledge of astronomy and mathematics is all based upon certain first principles which were discovered by the Chaldeans. In the year 538 BC, a crude tribe of Persian shepherds invaded this old land and overthrew the empire of the Chaldeans. Two hundred years later, they in turn were overthrown by Alexander the Great, who turned the fertile valley, the old melting pot of so many Semitic races, into a Greek province, Next came the Romans, and after the Romans the Turks, and Mesopotamia, the second center of the world's civilization, became a vast wilderness, where huge mounds of earth told a story of ancient glory. Here is a picture of the walled city of Nineveh. End of chapter 8. Recording by Michelle Crandall, Fremont, California, September 2008.